I want to start with a little poll um, and just raise of hands. This is, this is just, I, I honestly want to know what's going on tonight. How many of you have ever run out of gas? Raise your hands up high. Be proud. Okay. How many of you in a million years would never be that person? Right? Okay, let me see where the overlap is. How many of you, I'm guessing these are the same people, wait to charge your phone until 1%. Are you the same people around, I guess? Because <laughs> everybody else is like, man, if it gets below 75, I am dying for somewhere to plug it in. I cannot drop below 75%. Right? Like, this, is, this is very real in my life. Um, I'm that person that, man, if, if it is past a quarter tank, I am looking for a gas station. I'm like, we, I need to know that we have full go and full possibility of this vehicle at any given time. I got to have a full tank. Now, my wife, on the other hand, I honestly don't know if she's ever gone to a gas station. Because I'll get in the car on a regular basis, pull out of the driveway, and the light goes, bing! I'm like, ah! And all of a sudden, everything that I was about to do changes. Because think about this. Put yourself back in that moment when your car's on empty or your cell phone is, hey, 10% mode, lower, low power mode has engaged. It changes your brain. Everything that you were about to do or you were doing now becomes second fiddle. Because if you're driving your car, you're looking for, oh, I got to find a gas station. Or some of you are just like, you know what? I got plenty. We're good to go. We're just going to trust the Lord. It's just thing can run on fumes, whatever. Maybe you're that person. But here's what I know. I know that when I get in our car and it, that light is beeping or flashing or whatever it does, I know that I'm about to be anxious. I'm about to be distracted from where I'm going and what I'm doing. Because all of a sudden my focus has turned from I'm going here doing this to, oh no, the urgent has now overtaken the important. And I think a lot of times that's how we run our lives. We are running on empty or at least on a, maybe a quarter tank. And we're, and we're running through life. And Jay just talked about it. Like you guys live a life that's crazy. Long-term planning, are you serious? Right? You're like, what's going on next week? What's happening? And this is what we do. But I would guess that most of us in this room, whether it's your car, your phone, or just your soul, is often running on almost empty. And what we do is, we, we, what that does in our life is it gets us distracted, it gets us anxious, it takes our mind off the things that we want to be doing to take care of the things that have to be done so that I don't die. And that I don't just pass out at work so I can be productive, so I can be what I think I need to be. Driving on empty or letting your phone drop down to 1% is distracting. It derails your plans. It's, did you ever think about this? It's actually stealing from you. Running on empty is stealing from you. Mind share, emotions, focus. Because when we're driving, when we're going, I'm looking for the next gas station, not, not the meeting I'm about to go to. Because I just got to get to the meeting, so I got to find a gas station. It's anxiety producing. So I don't know, all of y'all who drive around on fumes, I don't know how you get through life. Like I'm that guy, if it, my phone gets to 90%, I'm like, where's the charger? 
When we get in the car, I'm charging my 90% phone and my wife just grabs the cord out of my phone and sticks it in her 1% phone because she's more important. I'm like, hey, I'm just being responsible. <laughs> and so that's a lot like life though. And far too often we do. We find ourselves running on empty and things quickly feel and become chaotic. And we're, when we're on our empty, our days become full of distractions, temptations, idols, anxiety, because we're looking for something, anything, to fill our tank. And don't get me wrong, we'll fill our tank. We will fill our tank every time. But oftentimes we're filling it with the wrong thing. You're a gasoline engine trying to put in diesel. Right? We're, we're, we're relying on coffee or a Netflix binge or just, just one little just rest. Just give me a break. And we think these little things are going to rejuvenate us and fill up our tank. And what I want to do tonight is simply look and talk about starting our days, weeks, and seasons with a full tank. What does that look like? What does that look like as we walk with Christ, as we follow Jesus? What does it look like to live life on a full tank? Because it's my experience in my life and my experience as I talk with people that we desperately want to be running on a full tank, but usually we're running at least on a quarter tank. And those temptations that come in, the idols in our life become bigger and bigger because we run to those things to fill us up. And so tonight... I want to look at Jesus. How did he run his life? What did he do? I mean, he was Jesus. What did he do to live every day on a full tank, ready to do and be all that God had sent him to be and do? And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter one. That's where we're going to be tonight. And we're going to look at three things that Jesus starts his day with. He starts it with intentionality, humility, and mission. And we're going to look at one, uh, Mark 1, 35 through 39. Now, let me, tech, let me just set this up for you a little bit, because we're kind of jumping in the middle of something that's already happening. All right, we're in the first chapter of Mark, so not a ton has happened for Jesus yet. All right, he just came on the scene. All right, he, his public ministry has begun. One of the first things that he does is he goes out on the recruiting trail, and he, he recruits his team. He's picking off Peter and Andrew and John. Like he's like, I gotta get my boys. So he's recruiting, he's on the recruiting trail. And he fills up his team. And immediately finds himself teaching in the synagogue. Which to us is like, okay, what? No, that's like, he just started a brand new ministry and now he's already teaching on the biggest platform there is in Galilee. In front of the biggest teachers, in front of the biggest names, in front of all the important people, he's on the stage teaching. I got to think his guys are like, whoa, this is, this is exploding. This is happening, right? So when you look at Mark chapter one, you see, uh, we see the baptism of Jesus. We see the temptation of Jesus. We see him beginning his ministry, uh, recruiting his first disciples. And then we see him teaching uh, in, in Capernaum. Sorry, I said Galilee, it's Capernaum. And he's teaching in front of all of the big important people. And all of a sudden, a demon possessed guy comes and he says, I know who you are. And Jesus says, whoa, zip it, dude. <laughs> now get out of him. And he exercises a demon right there in front of everybody. And everyone is amazed. In verse 28 of chapter 1, it says, And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of, of Galilee. And then immediately after that, 
he left the synagogue and he entered the house of Simon, which many of us would know as Peter. And guess what he does? I love this move by Jesus. He goes to Simon's mother-in-law's house. Now, now, follow me here. Follow this train of thought. You're Peter. Your daughter is married to him. And now Peter says, I'm going to leave my, my solid, dependable family fishing job. I'm going to go follow this guy. So I'm going to be gone for a while. Right? I can't imagine that his wife's mom was too happy about his career choice. And so what does he do? He goes over to the mother-in-law's house and she's sick. And Jesus heals her. And she gets up and starts making uh, dinner and hosting his whole team. And then later that evening, at sundown, they started bringing to Jesus all that were sick and oppressed and possessed. Like, his fame is blowing up. Like, if he's a church planner, he went from 12 to 3,000 overnight. Ministry is going well. And his fame is spreading all throughout the region. And so that's where we find ourselves in verse 35. So Jesus has a one heck of a day. He goes to sleep and then we find Jesus in verse 35. Let's read. It says, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his, compa his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they explained, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled to Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. I just want to walk through four verses here to look at how Jesus does life on a full tank. Because his day before wore him out. He's recruiting, he's teaching, casting out demons, dealing with mother-in-laws. Like he's dealing with stuff. Family, ministry, crazy people. He's exhausted. And so what does he do the next morning? He takes the morning off, he sleeps in, gets a nice hot cup of coffee, stares at the Sea of Galilee and just enjoys, right? No. So what does Jesus do? When he's running on empty, what does he do? And that's what we're gonna look at tonight. How does Jesus start and live his life on a full tank? My first point tonight, I don't have slides, I apologize, but my first point tonight is this. Jesus started his day intentionally. Jesus started his day intentionally. Look at verse 35. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary, or maybe your translation says, desolate place where he prayed. He didn't sleep in. There were no alarm clocks. He had a plan and a purpose for his morning. You see, Jesus was intentionally building his life, a life of dependence on God. Jesus was intentionally building a life of dependence on God. He does three things in this one verse. Number one, he got up early while it was still dark. He got up early. Very quiet, no big fuss. He got up early before anyone else, before the sun had come up, and then he got alone. He went to a desolate or solitary place. The way I read that is like he, he got rid of all distraction. He woke up intentionally saying, I gotta get out. I gotta reset my day. And the second thing he did after he woke up was he went to a solitary place, meaning, and I think for you and I, that means what is the distraction? 
that we need to get rid of first thing in the morning. I don't know about you, but one of the first things I do in the morning, I, get, I grab my phone. I check my email, I check the weather, I check Twitter, I check Facebook, I check Instagram, like I just boom, 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 boom. And then my day is off and running. Because either I get an email or whatever happens and my life starts going. And what Jesus says is, hey, I'm gonna get up early, I'm gonna get distraction free. Then the last thing he does in verse 35 is he isolates himself, but he is not alone. Again, intentional. His time is intentional. He wakes up with the intention of spending time with the Father. Because he's exhausted. His empty light is blinking. So Jesus starts his day by praying. And I think there's a difference. Like we talk a lot about having a quiet time if you're a Christian. You've probably heard that term. And I think sometimes like, well, what is a quiet time? Well, here's what a quiet time is, connecting with God. That's all a quiet time is, just connecting with God. And I love that it says, and Jesus prayed. Because here's the difference between reading the Bible and praying. I think we should do both. I'm a huge fan of both. But I think the prayer piece here is important. Because I can read the Bible and not be, in my heart not be engaged. I can read the Bible and I can check off a list. I can read the Bible, get it done, and move on with my day. But praying requires my heart, or my head and my heart, to be engaged with my father. It's a conversation. It's a two-way street. I'm listening. I'm speaking. I'm thinking. I'm hearing. Praying first thing in the morning and talking to God saying, God, I got nothing. Going into this day, I got nothing. I'm exhausted. Show me, teach me, lead me. And that's what Jesus does. My question, the question that came to my mind as I read this, this verse was, do I come to God with an agenda or do I go to God to get my agenda? Do I come asking and, and telling and wanting, saying, God, this is how my day needs to be. I need your help here. I need your help here. I need you to do this. I need you to do this. Or do we go to God and say, hey, give me my, 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 my marching orders. What would you have for me today? Help me be faithful to what you would have me do today. Jesus is going to God, not with an agenda, but he's going to get his agenda. And we see this theme of wilderness isolation, a desolate place. This is a theme all throughout scripture that people are sent into the wilderness and the wilderness is always a place of preparation. It is always a place in scripture, a place of preparation so God can prepare someone to use them. And Jesus says, he got up, it says Jesus got up, went to a desolate place where he prayed. Exodus 16 is a great, great picture of this. In Exodus 16, here's what's happening. The Israelites have been enslaved in Egypt for years and years and years and generations and generations and generations, and they have been freed from Israel. And now they are walking in the wilderness. And they're complaining and they're grumbling and they're saying, Moses, we're so hungry. Aaron, why did you bring us out here? At least in Egypt, I had food, I had meat, I had bread, I was full. You brought us to the wilderness to die. They're complaining and complaining and complaining. And let me read this section to you. It's so good. In Exodus 16, it says, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would that, we, 
would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of, Israel, of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us into this wilderness to kill us, this whole assembly, with hunger. <laughs> not dramatic, not dramatic. Like, they're just saying, what are you doing, Moses? At least in slavery, we were full. And here we got nothing. And then in verse four of chapter 16, it says this. Man, God is so gracious. And you're about to see it right here. He's giving them what they don't deserve. Verse four says, then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Did you catch this? They're complaining and grumbling and God says, I will still provide for you. In fact, I will provide for you daily. I will rain bread. You may have heard the word manna. Manna from heaven would rain down. But did you catch the instruction that God told the Israelites? He said, I will give you a gift, but your responsibility is to go and gather. It's not just, I'm just not gonna and make you full. I'm gonna rain bread down on you and you need to go out. You need to collect it for that day. His mercies are new every day, Lamentations 3. And we see this picture of the wilderness. What's going on? Complaining, oh my gosh, God, have you forgotten us? Why'd you bring us here? Uh, some of you probably are like, Andy, that's where I am right now. <laughs> I don't like where I'm at. I wanna be somewhere else. God, why have you, why'd you bring me to Oklahoma City, some of you? <laughs> I know that's how I felt when I moved here as a 24-year-old. God, you brought me to the wilderness. <laughs> But the great thing is that God gives. He gives a gift. Our job and our role is to go gather and get the gift. And what I'm telling you today is God has given you a gift in his word and his presence. Through the Holy Spirit, he's given you his presence. And so we need to go out into the wilderness each day and gather the gift given to us this is what Jesus was doing. He was going out to a solitary place to gather what the Lord could, only the Lord could provide. But he did it intentionally, not by mistake. He said, I got up early before everybody else, before the sun even came up, and I went and I sat with my Father. Because only the Father can give me what I truly need. I love this line I found while I was preparing for this. I can't remember who said it, but I loved it. This one pastor said, listen, we need to start our days with, good morning, Lord, instead of, good Lord, it's morning. I'm like, yeah, yes, that's Jesus. He's intentionally getting up saying, hey, Dad, good morning. Speak to me. What do I do today? How do I be faithful to what you called me to? He says, good morning, Lord, instead of, good Lord, it's morning. You see, to start our days with a full tank for the journey of life ahead, we need to start intentionally. My second point is this, that Jesus started his day humbly. When you look at verse 36 and 37, it says, Simon and his companions went to look for Jesus. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. I love this interaction. Because remember what had just happened the day before. Remember verse 28? Verse 28 said, his fame had spread across the region. And first thing in the morning, guess what's happening? 
His fame is cut, caught up with him. People are seeking him. They're clamoring for him. They're looking for him. And I love this, the, the, this conversation between Simon and Jesus. Because Simon, you remember, he, he's the excitable one of the disciples. He's the one that's pumped up. Like, hey, man, this ministry's going good. It's growing quickly. Man, Jesus, what are you doing, man? They're waiting for you. Let's go. And it's almost like Peter's rebuking Jesus for missing out on the crowds. He's like, Jesus, we have the momentum. This is what we want. This is what we came for. They want you. They're calling for you. But I think sometimes it's not the crowds that are calling for us. It's the need to perform. It's the need to validate my worth. It's, I need to be busy. Because not being busy means I'm not important. Because I don't know about you, but those things creep into my life. And I have a lot of excuses not to spend time in God's word. I have a lot of excuses. Oh, I got to get going. Because I didn't wake up intentionally. I woke up late. So now I don't have time. And so I got to go get busy with my life. And I miss out on getting filled up. And that's what Peter's saying here. Peter's saying, Jesus, what are you doing? You're missing the big moment. Your fame is here. Let's go chase it. Let's go. Ministry's good. The church is full. Let's go. I had a friend that worked at uh, Sonic here in town. This is like 10 years ago, and he was one of the executives of marketing. And we, we had a morning Bible study. It was, he was all much older than me. We had kind of an intergenerational um, morning small group. And he was talking to our group about just how frustrated he was at work uh, to this end. He said, he, he said the culture of, of my office is that busyness equals importance. He goes, I'm in marketing and I need to think and I need to be creative and I need to dream. How can we do better? What should we do? What are the ideas? He goes, and the only way I can do that is to be still and be quiet and think and dream. He goes, but I have a cubicle. And so if I just sit there doing nothing, my boss, my coworkers are all gonna see me doing nothing when actually the most important work is being done. Because, but I have this urge every time somebody comes by to like grab paper and start to, you know, doing something. And that's our urge. That's, that's the way we're wired. That your worth and your value is your schedule, your busyness, your importance. All those things come flooding in first thing in the morning. I gotta get going. I gotta make it happen. Just like Peter. I love Peter. I love Peter because he's me. <laughs> like he's, he's so quickly drawn by the fame. Oh, this is happening. This is good. And Jesus says, it's good, but it's not what's best. Jesus chose what is best, which required him to prioritize his time and his life. You see, Jesus prioritized his time with the Father so that he could lead people to the Father. Jesus prioritized his time with the Father. He made that his number one thing, his first thing. So that the rest of the day, as people clamored to him, as people called out for him, as, he, as people needed him, he was prepared to serve and care for those who need to be served and cared for. On this particular day, Jesus avoided the crowds. He avoided the fame because he knew where his strength came from. His strength did not come from the applause of men, but from the, his appointment with God. That's where his strength was found. 
That's how he got his tank filled up. He spent time in God's word. He spent time praying with the Father because he knew that's where my strength come from. That's where I get my tank filled up so that I can do what I'm called to do. I love this prayer from David in Psalm 27. It's as if this is the heart of Jesus on this morning. Psalm 27, verse four, David says this, one thing I have asked of the Lord that I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon his beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. What David's saying and what Jesus is saying is the most important thing is to be in your presence, is to be walking with you, is to be sitting at your feet learning and listening not coming to you with my checklist of things that you need to do for me. The most important thing is not to be famous. The most important thing is not to be um, made, find your worth in other people's reaction to you. And Jesus knew that. And I'm about to show you how I know that. Because my third point tonight is this. Jesus started his day missionally. He started his day intentionally, humbly, and missionally. In verse 38 and 39, it says this, Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. Did you catch this? What's his response to, hey, the people need you. Your fame is so big. They want to see you. He's like, I'm out. Go to the next town. <laughs> he wasn't about that life. He didn't come to be famous. He knew what his mission was, and he was reminded by it every morning as he spent time with the Father. My mission is not to be famous. My mission is not to be clamored over. My mission is to preach the gospel, that the kingdom of God has come to save the lost. Jesus was here to share the good news that God had sent the Messiah to take away the sins of the world. I'll tell you what, he didn't come to be famous. He didn't come to give, up, give us self-help tips for a better day. He didn't come to make us feel better about ourselves. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to tell us that we're drowning and he's here to rescue you. That's why he came. That's why he said, you know what? I don't need to go see them. They've already heard. I preached yesterday. I'm going to the next town. He left the fame and the crowds and the people behind because he was on mission. He knew why he was here. He knew what his life was. And it all started by getting up early before the sun, getting to a desolate place and praying and being with the Father. Jesus started his day so that he could be on the same page as of the Father who sent him. I don't know about you guys, but I have a boss. Some of you guys probably have a boss. And every once in a while you'll get an email of instruction right? And you read it carefully. Maybe you're going into a meeting and you're like, okay, this is what I need to do in this meeting. All right. You put it in your back in your, in your phone and you go into the meeting and right before the meeting starts, you pull out that phone just to double check. Like, okay, I'm supposed to say this. I need to figure this out. I need to find that out. I need to say this. Okay, great. Why do you double check it? For confidence, for assurance that you are doing what you have been sent there to do. And Jesus is doing the exact same thing. He got alone early in the morning to be with his father so that he could check with his boss to say, dad, what do you have for me today? Remind me why I'm here. Remind me. Give me the strength that I need to do the things that you have called me to do. I found a great quote by a gal named Jenny Allen. She says this, we cannot pour out what's not poured in. 
We cannot teach what we do not know, and we cannot share what we do not have. Man, those are wise words. I cannot pour out what is not poured in. I cannot teach what I do not know, and I cannot share what I do not have. If you're in this room tonight and you are a Christian, God has placed you in your world, in your office, in your company, in your neighborhood, in your apartment complex for a reason. He has called you, he has saved you, now he is sending you out. Are we waking up on mission? Whose mission are we on? Are we on our mission? Or in in the front of our mind, we view our whole life through the mission of Christ. That we are here to be the representatives of God's grace and mercy. That I have found the rescuer. And we live around other people who are drowning. Jesus started his day isolated but not alone. To be restored by God, to be in fellowship with God, to receive and remind him of the mission of God. So what? Here's a so what. I want to give you three thoughts as we apply this truth. As we look at how Jesus started his day on a full tank, what do we do with this? What does this mean for us? Here's what it means for us. If we're a believer in Jesus, if we are a Christian, a follower of Jesus, then let's follow him in the most simple and plain way. I talk to a lot of people with my job, and and a lot of the questions I get is, I just want to know God's will for my life. What should I do? Guys, if we're a Christian, the least we can do is look at what Jesus did. If it's plain and obvious and say, you know what, I'm going to do that. So here's how I want to challenge you tonight. Number one, get intentional by starting your day isolated but not alone. Tomorrow morning, set your alarm, get isolated but not alone. Wake up, leave your, turn your alarm off, put your phone away, and go sit with Jesus. There's no magic to it. There's a lot of ways to read God's word. There's a lot of ways to pray. But get intentional with your time with Jesus. Because Jesus was building a life that was dependent on God. And I gotta be honest, there are way too many days, way, I'm ashamed to even tell you probably how many days, where I am training myself to be dependent on me. And on my talents, and on my desires, and on my skills. And I take the manna, the mercies that were for yesterday, and I try and stretch them into today. Because yesterday wasn't bad. Wasn't terrible. And we just try and stretch it. We try and stretch it. We try and stretch it. And before you know, we're starving to death spiritually. Because we're not going out daily and gathering the gift that God has given us in his word. And so I want to encourage you tonight, tomorrow morning, get intentional by starting your day isolated but not alone. Number two, like Peter Identify what you're believing that keeps you from being with God in the first thing in the, in the morning. What are you believing? I'll tell you what I believe. I believe that I can do it. I believe that I can actually get through my day and do what God wants me to do without him. I can do it. Self-dependence, self-idolatry, pride, whatever you want to call it, that's me. There's this little thing in the back of my mind that says, Andy, you'll be okay. You can get through. You can fake it till you make it. And then when I'm utterly exhausted, relationally, spiritually, emotionally, whatever it is, then I go, oh God, fill me up, please. Oh my gosh, this is what a day. But how many of us, I mean, guys, this, this, this text has worked me over this week. 
very convicting, that I believe that I can do it. I believe that I can, I can live for God, share what I do not have, pour out what I have not poured in, and expect miracles to happen. Thirdly, pray that God would lead you, show you, and embolden you to live on mission. Pray that God would lead you, show you, and embolden you to live on mission. The same mission Jesus was on, to go and preach the gospel to the lost. And you can do that a million different ways. You could actually sit someone down and share Jesus with them. You can serve them. You can care for them. You can bear a burden with them, all for the sake of bringing Jesus into their life. But I know for me, when I'm running on empty, guess what happens? I get distracted. I chase this and I chase that. I'm looking for something else. And I lose my mission. Because I'm so focused on not, I'm so tired. And I'm so busy. And I want to be so important. And I want to be so famous. And I want, I want, because I'm running on empty. And when I'm running on empty, I'm anxious. I'm usually not the nicest person. And I'm pretty self-focused. And I lose all vision of what the mission I'm supposed to be on as a, as a follower of Jesus. So those three things, again, I want to challenge you to get intentional by starting your day isolated but not alone. To identify what are you believing? What needs are you chasing that are stealing from you your time with the Lord? That are robbing you from that time? And lastly, I want to encourage you to pray that God would lead you, show you, and embolden you to live on mission. Because Jesus started his day intentionally, humbly, and missionally. Lamentations 3 says his mercies are new every day. Man, talk about the ultimate FOMO. I don't want to miss out on a new mercy. I don't want to miss out on a new mission because I was so distracted with my agenda that I completely ignored his. You see, the opposite of driving on empty is driving on a full tank. And when you're driving on a full tank, you feel free, you feel confident, you feel assured that you can get where you need to go and do what needs to be done without any distraction. And I gotta be honest, every day I wake up, it's default Andy. And default Andy is not a great dad, definitely not a great husband. He's an apathetic employee. He's selfish and self-centered. That's default Andy. And I wake up as my default every single day. So why would, why would I not look at my savior, my king and my Lord and say, hey, I'm gonna do it the way you did it. I'm gonna get up early and I'm gonna sit at the feet of Jesus and get my agenda for the day, get my confidence, get my identity, get my mission. And this is something, like I said, this has really convicted me this week because I was like, I gotta pray, I gotta teach on this and I'm not the shining example of this. And so this week my wife and I, I sat down because I like to sleep, okay? I like to sleep in, my, my covers are warm and it's cold out and I don't wanna talk to my kids yet. <laughs> So here's what I did. I'm like, I, I need to do this more consistently in my life, not just when it's easy. And so here's what I did. I sought out accountability, and I asked my wife on a date at 5.30 a.m. in the morning. And I said, Taylor, I hate to admit this, but I need your help. Because default Andy wants to stay in bed. 
Because what I believe, what I have believed in my life is that 30 extra minutes in my bed will do more than spending 30 minutes with the almighty God of the universe. <laughs> and I buy it more often than not. And so I said, Taylor, I need, I need your help. Let's get up before the kids. Let's do it. Because I'll tell you this, I know this is probably too, more than you want to know, but default dad, default Andy, the first thing in the morning my kids will walk in and wake me up. And so when I'm default Andy, I reject my, my children first thing in the day. I'm like, get out. I'm not ready to get up. Get up, get out, shh. But when I get up early before the sun comes up before everybody else and I'm awake and my kids walk out of their room, the first thing they get is a hug because it's not default Andy. It's a dad who has spent a few minutes with Jesus in the morning and I'm ready to receive my mission as, my, as a dad, as a husband, as a pastor, as a friend, as a neighbor. I'm ready. So what is that for you? Maybe you got a roommate. Maybe you got somebody in your small group and you're like, you know what, I need to reach out to them and I need to say, hey, I need you to call me. I need you to text me. We're gonna, we're, as a small group, we're gonna get up at 5.30, 6, whatever it is. I need help because I wanna start my day off not as default, but as someone who is humbly, intentionally surrendered to Jesus because that's what Jesus did. So it's WWJD all over again. So here's what we're gonna do. If you've been here before, we're gonna go in 120 seconds. Just to sit with what we've talked about, sit with God's word. I just wanna encourage you, when you feel anxious, when you feel unsettled, impatient, easily angered, cynical, or apathetic, those are the warning lights on the dashboard of your life. There's some, something is going on and you're running on empty. I wanna encourage you to go to the one who is able to examine, diagnose, and, and fill you and shape you into the man or woman he has made you to be. God has rained down his gift to you through his word and through his presence. Your job and my job is to go out and gather the manna for that day. I don't think it's a mistake that Jesus is called the bread, the bread, of, uh, bread of life. And then in Exodus, God rained down bread. And then when we take communion, we eat bread as a representation of the body of Christ. Because he's here to fill us up and to send us out. So as we go into 120 seconds, I'm going to pray. As always, our prayer team is going to be in the back. That is always available to anyone here. If you just need someone to pray for you, pray over you, if you need help with this issue of being self-disciplined to intentionally start your day, go, go get prayed for we want that to be open for you. So let me pray, and then we'll do 120 seconds, and then we'll go back into worship. God, I just want to thank you for this day. Thank you for bringing us here. And Jesus, thank you. As the Son of God, as the Savior of the world, you showed us and led us to what it looks like to start our day. So God, help us do ourselves a favor by starting with you tomorrow morning and ending our day today with you that you may speak life into us, that you may speak worth and value and purpose and mission into our life so that our days are no longer running on empty, but they are running on a full tank and that we can be confident and assured that we are ready to handle whatever comes our way because you have called us and led us into that moment. In your son's name, amen.